In what ways are new technologies taking us towards higher personal growth? Oh, I believe that the intelligent person today is going to become a linguist, as you have to understand language and how to use language, how to package your thoughts, and how to communicate them. And the, the new personal computers and the new CD, compact disc, interactive techniques uh, is bringing about an amazing change that the computer becomes a, a camera or a thought processor that allows you to go right from your mind through the computer to your television screen. Uh, this is a power given to the individual which I think is going to be very liberating and going to raise the entire level of society. So I'm very optimistic uh, and I'm working very hard with my friends uh, like Brum Bear and uh, George Ann Dean, uh, these artists and writers like William Burroughs. Their teams are working together to produce these programs that hopefully will uh, help us think more clearly and to get our ideas on the TV screen in competition with ABC, NBC and KGB. <laughs> Do you see a conflict between technology and the recent increases in spirituality? Well, I think they're the, one and the same thing. Technology without spirituality is, is uh, Nazism or, or, or you know, Soviet uh, control. But spirituality without technology is uh, saying, oh, I'm looking at your navel. You've got to bring the two together. Uh, spirituality must be able to express itself or herself clearly and... Uh, and uh, as I say, uh, powerful thinking machines uh, are a terror nightmare, George Orwell come true, if it's not balanced by spirituality. And by spirituality, I mean uh, a humility, uh, a humble approach to the, to the great energies and a sense of humor about life and a sense of tolerance and in a sense uh, the ability to take another position and to see other points of view. Uh, this is what spirituality, but what's more spiritual than having uh, quantum uh, electrical signals coming through the air, picking it up on your satellite disk, putting it on your screen, changing it, moving it around, expressing yourself through these powerful, invisible quantum uh, impulses, which after all are the language of the universe. What you're doing on your computer screen is the language of off-on uh, uh, quantum mechanical uh, clouds of meaning. What message would you give to our viewers? <laughs> Think for yourself and question authority. That's the oldest message of democracy and uh, human, uh, human species. Think for yourself, question authority, and uh, keep a smile on your face. <laughs> R.I.P. Timothy Leary. I don't think I've ever actually watched uh, any of his, his stuff before. That was the first time I ever like, saw him speak for any extended period of time. That's pretty good, right? Yeah, interesting. He's interesting knowing where he came from and sort of the common origin of him and Ramdas, you know, and seeing how mm -hmm. they went in very different directions. It's uh, fascinating. Yeah. And that was in the 80s. He was talking about that. So this was all before Zoom, Facebook. Yeah. And he was still like, he comprehended where it was going to go, you know, with yeah. the, the camera and like how we become a linguist. And it's kind of meta, like what we're doing right now. He was kind of like literally describing what we're doing <laughs> competing and, uh, with abc and all these other things like putting your broadcast yeah. out there on on sort of equal footing i guess in theory right yeah it's everybody having a voice that's what it's about man it's uh it's pretty profound that he saw that coming and i know if tim Larry was around today he would for sure have a podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think that's undeniable <laughs>
Um, yeah, that's crazy that, that he was predicting this stuff so far in advance. And it's like one thing to predict, like just like general technological trends, but he was very specific in what he was describing. He was like you said, he was describing what we're doing right now. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't have conceived that even when I was, you know, even when the Internet was just coming out and I had access to it, you know, dial up. It's like I would have yeah. never imagined that from, you know, <laughs> looking up porn with my best friend on his parents' computer in like 91 <laughs> that we would be here, you yeah, know, right. like having our own TV show, essentially our own Internet show. <laughs> it is exactly, man. And that's what's cool about the technology of today is all of us have the ability to create whatever we want. We're the director, we're the actor. And we're the production crew all at the same time. We all have the power to do that. Um, and it's so beautiful to be able to do that. Like, I I don't have um, anybody else. It's just me. It's me, a camera, and my computer. And we all have that ability. Everybody has the ability, especially now with our phones that have 4K cameras on them. It's just really insane. Like, when you can sit down and fathom the time that we're living in and the technology that we have at our disposal, it's like... It's so mind blowing, but we take it for granted because everybody has it and it's in our pockets and we have it every day, but it's so mind blowing how far we've come and how fast it's happened. It's really, um, it's really an amazing time to be alive. And I know, uh, like Tim Leary said, you can either get sucked into ABC, (laughs) NBC, the KGB, sucked in, (laughs) lost in the sauce, or you can balance it out and listen to gurus of the past and you know ascended masters and really get on your grind of self-realization through this technology. So uh, yeah, it's up to you and how you use it, but at least it's good to know that we have it at our disposal and we have the freedom to, to express ourselves how we want to express ourselves. Yeah, for sure. And I think like you've mentioned this before and I, I think it ties into it as well is the fact that this kind of mass awakening that we're going through right now is uh, catalyzed by this technology, right? I mean, I wouldn't have discovered the Tao and the Bhagavad Gita and, uh, you know, Ram Das and all these yeah. people that have influenced me and helped me find my own way. I would have probably, I, I might not have encountered them if it wasn't for the internet, because mm-hmm. what was the first thing I did after I had my cubicle epiphany? Went online and started typing shit into the Google search engine and things came up, right? I came across like a book called As a Man Thinks by James Allen, read that and was like, holy fuck, you know, it just led me one step to the other and it kind of opened me up and, and, you know, helped me proceed on the path. But that was all because of technology. Otherwise, I would have been like in the library looking through index cards, like, you know what I mean? What would I have done, right? Mm -hmm. It was just all there and it was like, yeah. No, no, I was just going to say it was all laid out for me thanks to the internet. It was just like one one search led to another and it just step by step kept kept me going. So, Yeah, it's really insane. The time we're alive is really insane. Like you would have had to go to India most likely or like you said at the library, you know, going through the um, the Dewey Decimal System, finding <laughs> B, the Bhagavad Gita, finding what that is. Yeah, I would have never even known to look for it because I would have had no idea that it existed. You know, it was like I don't, I wouldn't have even known about it. So yeah. Yeah. You know, I would have been like, I guess, looking up spirituality, but even that, like for me at the beginning, right after my cubicle epiphany, I didn't connect it to spirituality. I didn't understand what had happened. So even that might've been an uphill battle. Cause it's like, I, I, I didn't know what happened. I was trying to figure it out. So mm-hmm. yeah. Anyways, but yeah. And, and lots of people I think are 
you know, they're discovering people like um, Alan Watts, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's helped a lot of people that I know kind of, whoa, see things differently and like understand non-duality, which is pretty notoriously difficult to understand. Like he, all of his shit's on the internet. Like you can watch, listen to Alan Watts lectures on, on YouTube right now. Um, again, without that, I probably would have never discovered that guy. I probably would have never known who he was. And so, yeah, the, the internet is, well, like you said, it's part of like the one mind, right? Uniting all human beings into this giant network, neural network, essentially, and sharing all of our shared um, knowledge and experiences together. Yeah, man. Isn't it crazy how those guys like Alan Watts, Tim Leary, Ram Dass, the list goes on. They're like posthumously more popular than they were when they were alive now. Yeah. And again, because there's more and more people who are looking for something and who have, again, through the internet, through YouTube, they have the ability to find what they're looking for. But yeah, I agree, man. Like they were, they were famous in their own rights when they were alive, but I think you're right. They're way bigger now. What Mm -hmm. better known, you know, more popular, more mainstream, if you will, because, because of the internet. Yeah. They had to have known somewhat, like some kind of inclination that their words were going to live on when they hit the, on the tape recorder, when they hit record, they must've known somewhat, maybe unconsciously that, that those teachings were going to live on in some form more than just on a tape or maybe they didn't and that's what makes it magical they were just in the moment like i just and just talked and they were them and now they're just bigger than ever like terence mckenna he's like he's all over like his i don't i mean i don't know but i think with terence mckenna we probably have the most documentation of him or maybe alan watts too i don't know but Either way, both of them, there's so much documentation of their teachings that will live on forever. For as long as we have the internet, these great teachings from these great people will forever be in our collective unconsciousness and or collective consciousness. And that is like, that's spiritual technology right there. It's like these guys were prophets, the modern day 20th century prophets. And think about... um, you know, we read people, people's writings from thousands of years ago. Think about a thousand years from now, people will be still listening probably to Alan Watts and Terrence McKenna and Tim Leary, Tim Leary and the likes of them. And it's so, it's like, it's so mind blowing to me that they had to have known. They had to have known what they were doing, man. I don't know. Yeah, for sure. I think so. I mean, and they were just carrying on messages that were much older than them as well. So exactly. You yeah. know, they received it from somebody else and they're carrying it forward. And now other people are receiving it from them and carrying it forward like you and mm-hmm. I are doing right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the same message, right? It's the same message from the dawn of, of human history yeah, uh, or prehistory even. It's the same basic stuff. But yeah, it's fascinating. And maybe, you know, you're saying like, uh, they'll be listening to, to those lectures still like uh, years from now, maybe you'll be sitting in a room in VR with them, maybe you'll get to hang out with them in, in VR, you know, they'll <laughs> right. be able to reconstruct them from previous all their recordings, the computer will be able to, you know, create a virtual version of Alan Watts, and you and me can just like hang out and chat with them, right? Honestly, I don't doubt that. Yeah, we have the hologram of Alan Watts right there. And he's just, he's just speaking. I don't <laughs> yeah. doubt that at all, to be honest with you, man. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be pretty rad to be able to sit down and, and wow. hang out with these folks. And that's even like if some, they're virtual reality. Yeah. That's some like quantum immortality right there. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> yeah. It's coming as long as we don't blow ourselves up or, 
You yeah, know, exactly. Get hit all by an this, asteroid. Yeah, yeah, all of this, as long as we don't have nuclear war, then yes, yeah. this is this is what will happen. That's funny. I have visions of the future too, like that. I'm like, oh, then you know, we'll have flying cars and metaverse <laughs> and blah blah blah. But it's if an asteroid doesn't hit. Yeah. If the nuclear weapon doesn't get, uh, if the nuclear war doesn't happen, so it's like it's weird. I don't think. I mean, I I don't think there'll be any catastrophe because like, where do these visions come from of this better Earth? Like, where does this new Earth ideal? come from i think it's like showing us visions of the future man um it's like that message that these guys i, I like how you said it's a message it's the same message that's been said throughout time and it's almost like it's up to these certain these certain ascended minds to pass the baton you know it doesn't end there's no there's no ending to this uh to the to the knowledge this timeless knowledge and terence tim larry Alan Watts, whoever it is, you know, the yogis of, of the past, they did it with the technology that they had. They had books, they had tape recorders, um, but they didn't have podcasts. They didn't have the internet where it is now. So I think it's, it's up to the minds of the time to pass the baton of the timeless knowledge with the technology that is, is at hand in the current time. And maybe in the future, there'll be different technology but it'll still be the same teachings, the same um, eternal self knowledge that will be um, just be this current. It's just ever flowing current that flows through certain individuals and it'll just continue, continually ripple throughout time. I like mm. the way you put that, man. It just never ends. It's just, yeah. Keeps going. And part of me thinks too, that the reason it keeps getting hammered every generation, every hundred years, somebody new shows up and, Either either they claim that it's new or they they admit that they're passing it forward, but it, it keeps happening because the vast majority of us don't get it. Yeah. I think that eventually, if if we can get it across to enough people, that message won't be necessary anymore when we all really experience the oneness and we all see the truth in it and, and the fact that there is no you and me, it's all one. Um, then maybe a new message will be needed. But until that time, we, this is the message that we need to get into our thick skulls is that, listen, there's no me without you. Mm -hmm. There's no you without others. There's no, you can't separate it. There's no such thing as an individual because everything about you is predicated on others, your parents giving birth to you right off the bat. <laughs> without other people, you don't exist. Without other people, I don't exist. And even now, as we sit here, how many, how many people are invisibly involved in what we're doing right now? Like how many human beings are involved in, uh, you know, they work for the internet service provider that keeps the internet connection to your house going, mm, but people exactly. who manufactured your microphone, the people who boxed it up and shipped it, the store that held it, that you bought it from, like the, everything uh, that we're doing is connected to a million other people every, every second of the day. But we think that we're just the, these individuals in isolation. That's the, the central message that we need to get over is that, dude, there is no you without me. Like we need each other. We complete each other. We create each other. We co-create this world together. And as long as you're thinking me above all and me first and screw those guys, they're not part of my team, then, then we're, we're stuck. And that's why the message keeps coming back over and over again. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's like, well, we're stuck. You guys still don't fucking get it. Jesus came and said it. Buddha mm -hmm. came and said it. You know, like fucking Alan Watts came. All these people constantly <laughs> saying the same shit, you know? Yeah. When are you monkeys going to get it? Get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the next step in our evolution is to realize that we're all one and that we're all kind of like parts of a greater being 
and yeah. it behooves us to work against each other. It would be like if your gut and your heart and your liver were all fighting each other, like your body wouldn't do well, you mm-hmm. would die, right? Like the, the, all of these organs and all these bacteria and all these things that create Gary are working together. And that's why you're a healthy, vibrant human being. If your body starts to work against itself and all these different parts are fighting each other, the body is not going to survive. So the planet is a body. We're all part of this cosmic body and we're fucking fighting about skin color, sexual orientation, political alignment. It's like, this is why the message keeps coming back over and over again, Mm because we still don't fucking get it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well said, man. Well, well I don't know. It just seems it seems that way to me anyways. I can't say that it's the truth, but it certainly is my truth and it resonates with me. And it seems to align with all these other people that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, I read Marcus Aurelius. He's telling he's telling me that we're made for each other, like the rows of the teeth, upper and lower. Imagine if you only had teeth on the bottom, right? It'd be hard to chew. That's how we work together, right? We're like teeth. We got we to work together to chew things, right? So yeah, it's been the same message for a long time and it, it makes a lot of sense. I see it in my family when we work together, we have a good time, things happen, you know, the house gets cleaned, everybody's laughing, we're playing music and dancing and having fun. Or somebody's got a shitty attitude and doesn't want to help and doesn't want to contribute and then the whole thing falls apart. So it's like on a micro scale, on a micro scale, you can see it everywhere, right? It's like mm. everything's better when we're working together and we yeah. have better successes. It's more fun. Like it's just all positives. So why wouldn't we do this on a global scale? <laughs> Everything's better when we're working together. <laughs> I didn't mean that, but I didn't mean to make it sound so cl- cliche and corny. But yeah, it's kind of the way it is in my experience. That's good though. Mm-hmm. It's because we have the disease of the ego, and the ego, this in, the sense of individualism, is what uh, takes us away from that that essence. Uh, and we do our practices. We have to remind ourselves almost daily that we're all in this together. Yeah, we're, we're all in this together. It seems like something that should be held uh, within all of us, and it should be so simple to to keep and grok within us. But I don't know. It's just like the world takes us away from that. It's so easy to get sucked out of that mindset, but it's also so easy to get sucked back into the mindset of the eternal unity that we have. So it's, um, it's funny. It's a funny game that we have to play with our minds to be able to be like, no, we're all in this together. I'm not that important. And like you <laughs> said, I like how you said that, like, you know, someone had to package up this camera and this microphone and all of this. And that's so true. Like everything the, every, we're all dependent upon one another in all types of different ways. And, and, uh, you know, different locations like this was probably, this was made in Australia mm. <laughs> all yeah. across the world. It's crazy, man. And yeah, man, uh, I don't know. Yeah, there's like thousands of people invisibly in the room with us right now that yeah. all contributed to this conversation or contributing to it as we speak, even you don't yeah. see them, you don't know their names, but you know, they exist because here we are with all this stuff doing what we're doing. And it's like, it couldn't have happened without all these people. Yep. We're all servants so, to each other. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good way of looking at it. And then that, yeah, because you know, I, I like to think of, of myself as a servant as well. And I always tell my parents or not my parents, my, my family, you know, they're like asking me to do things. And I'm like, of course, right. That's my job. Like I'm here to help. I'm here to serve you guys. Mm-hmm. But the problem with the, that um, point of view is that if you have a servant, you also have a master. What you're saying is spot on. We're all servants to each other. There's no master. Mm-hmm. We're all here to serve each other in different ways. And that's beautiful, mm-hmm. man. That's I've never thought about it that way, but that's, that's definitely, that definitely resonates with me, man. 
For sure. I think just being a human being is being a servant. I mean, it's being a servant to God, but what is God? We're all God. So yeah, we. how do you serve God? You serve each other. Others, yeah, other That's expressions. Yeah, yeah, very true. That's what they were trying to tell us. I mean, that's what we're here to do. Uh, I don't know how else to really say it. I mean, it's pretty simple. We're all here for some reason. We're not here to do nothing. We're all here. We, you know, we have these hands to do something, this mind to think and create, and it's to create a, a better world for each other. I know it doesn't seem like that. The mainstream media might not see, uh, you know, portray that image to you, but I, I fully believe that's what we're all here to do is create a better world for each other. And it just feels good doing that, right? To, to think or at least hold the ideal that you're giving back a little bit of yourself for others, like that feels good, right? It feels there's something in my bones and my soul that just, I resonate with it. Like there's something I'm like, ah, oh, yeah, that's that's what we're here for. And we all do it in different ways. That's true. Yeah. I mean, even if you're just like, if you're just, you're, you're the garbage guy, shout out the garbage people of the world, man. Honestly, they, they do a great service for the world. I wouldn't want to be a garbage guy. Shout out the garbage people, whatever, <laughs> or anybody, you know, the male people uh the even the fast food workers man like we're all no matter what your task is here we're all serving each other and if we could just like you know i know it's hard to get into that mindset on a monday morning and you're up early and it's cold (laughs) but if you can somehow think like well i'm not only doing this for a paycheck i'm doing this to serve others Mm -hmm. um definitely hard to get on that mindset for sure but i think if if we can be that servant and the master we're like but we're the servant and the master kind of because mm-hmm. others serve you so you're the i don't know it's it's, it's yeah. a back and forth thing relationship but if you yeah. can get on that wavelength it makes life a little bit easier to bear our sufferings are a little bit easier to bear knowing that um our work isn't in vain you know no matter what you're doing yeah that's a good yeah. point yeah, I don't know, man. It's uh, we have this kind of like negative framing of things like servants and, you know, like you're talking about certain careers that uh, seem like un- in- undignified or like, you know, lowly in some ways, like the garbage man and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, there is no lowly job. Every job is there for a reason. And like, he, like you said, you know, even the fast food workers during the pandemic, we had um we, we made a big point of like giving shout outs to all the essential workers. Right. And who are these essential workers? Like grocery store clerks. Like it's mm-hmm. not, it wasn't like the cops, you know, that we yeah. were shouting out to. It was like the people who stock the shelves, mm-hmm. the people that in the past probably were never acknowledged. All of a sudden it was like, holy shit, without these essential workers, we would be screwed. Yep. So like, you know, it kind of, it kind of shines a light on the fact that there is no, there is no trivial job. There is no low, better, worse job. It's like it, all jobs are there for a reason. Maybe some of them will be obsolete in the future, but it doesn't mean that at the time they weren't essential and important jobs in themselves, right? For sure, man. And even if you don't feel like that, you could, one could, um, in their free time, go within themselves and ask themselves, well, how can I contribute more? What, what is it within, what am I good at? What do my circumstances allow me to do that will facilitate a better world? Hmm. Um, we're all capable of doing that, for sure, in becoming the servant and maybe not fast food, maybe it's something else. But either way, it's like we have to act. Either way, like there's no such thing as inaction. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess you could, but even when you're doing nothing, you're doing something, you know? <laughs> yep so. your body's doing stuff and and yeah you you need to the, what i was going to say too is you're a servant to this body at the very least 
you have mm-hmm. to keep it alive if you want to keep going. So yeah, there is no such thing as inaction because you got to feed yourself. You got to sustain your body. You got to make sure that it's, you know, it's got what it needs to stay alive. So at the very least you're a servant to your body, mm-hmm. but then if you can branch out and be of service to others as well, I agree, man, it feels good to do good. And it took me a long time to realize that, but it's like holding doors for strangers fucking feels awesome. Even if they don't acknowledge it, even if they don't say thank you, it's like, feels good to be nice letting people in traffic like people are trying to merge in front of you and you just give them space mm-hmm. people are always like whoa what the fuck like they look back and like wave at you because they're like it's not normal most people just will rush ahead and try to like prevent you from getting in like i'll let like two or three cars in in front of me i'm like i don't care I'm not some not going to mm-hmm. be late because of it like you know what i mean it's like easy simple feels good it's selfish in a way but it feels good to me to do these things and so i just i'm like yeah perfect <laughs> it's a win-win exactly. right doing something nice and I get to enjoy the benefits as well. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. And it feels good for a reason because it's a message. I believe at least for me, uh, to, to remind myself that that's what life is all about. And in the midst of when I'm driving and, you know, I'm thinking about my day and what I have to do, the drama of life and, you know, bills and blah, blah, blah. And then, like you said, somebody lets me go or I let somebody go and like, Oh, that's, that's what life's about, man. It's like, even in the littlest moments like that, it's like, oh, that's what, that's why. And that, you know, like I said, it feels good because it's like, that's what we're all here for. Imagine a whole society aligned on that. Like, oh, I'm going to give back a little bit today of my time for you. That, that's what we're here for. That's what this life is all about. And you're not going to get that on TikTok and the mainstream media, bro. <laughs> you really just yeah. have to like go within and find that. And it's true, man. I don't know how else to say it. Once you get on that wavelength of we're meant to give back a little bit, you don't you don't go back after that. Like there's no other way to see life because yeah, you do feel good from it, hundred percent. It makes you happier, but it also makes other people happy, and it's like a win win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like love brings love. I give yeah. love to you, and you give love back, and it's just this perpetual cycle of love, and it keeps going, bro. It's all about love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and that's what it comes back to again, like always. But um... <laughs> yeah. And it, it costs you nothing, right? Like I was uh, picking up food from a restaurant a couple of weeks ago and um, they were like really busy. So I was waiting for like 15, 20 minutes. Like they told me show up at this time and I showed up and I waited an extra like 20 minutes or something. Right. So I'm like on my phone playing chess or whatever, like makes no difference to me. Like I'm, it's Friday night. Right. So anyways, I get up to grab my food and the lady's like, so apologetic. Like, I'm mm-hmm. so sorry. It took so long. I'm this, that, and the other. And she's like, you could tell she was like almost afraid that I'd be mad at her. Yeah. And I was like, I was like, I'm just happy to see you. You're a local business thriving during this fucking crazy COVID times. Like, I'm just happy that you guys are busy and doing well. And business mm-hmm. is good. Like, I don't care waiting 20 minutes. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that you guys mm-hmm. are thriving. And she was like, Oh my God. And she gave me all this extra pop and stuff. And I'm like, I'm just, <laughs> you know, I wasn't trying to get anything out of you. Like, I'm just telling you what the truth, like the, all these local businesses, all these local restaurants are closing because of, of the pandemic. You guys are here. you got a lineup. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be mad at you. I'm happy for you. I love, I love your food. I want you guys to succeed. Right. Yeah. But just that sort of approach and that attitude, it costs me nothing to be nice to someone and to be kind and to not ream them out. Cause it's like, it's not her fault that it took 20 minutes extra, obviously. For sure. But um, yeah, it costs you nothing. And it made her day. Like it made her, she was like so happy after I left and you know, all, <laughs> everybody behind the counter was like, see ya, you know? And it's yeah. like, all you had to do was just be nice to them. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it costs you nothing and it makes a huge difference in other people's lives. And 
it also feels good. So it's selfish, but you know, making somebody happy, a stranger happy is like, fuck makes me happy. So yep. it's like, well, there you go. <laughs> and I think it starts with understanding, right? So you understand that that other person is going through their own shit. They might've had a long shift, you know, they're going through their own stuff. Who cares if they're a little late? Yeah. You know, you, you can kind of like take yourself out of your, um, out of your business of your head and put yourself in somebody else's business and understand if, and fully grasp, you know, why the food is a little bit late and, and the situation of being a, maybe a struggling restaurant during the times that we live in. It's mm-hmm. understanding, man. And first off, you have to understand yourself, which we're all doing, you know, but the more you understand yourself and what goes on in your own, you know, your own craziness of your mind and the skeletons in our closet and the shit that we have to go through. Yeah. Once you can kind of grasp that a little bit better, then you're like, wait a second. That means she's going through that same stuff too. And so is he and all of us, we're all going through our own stuff. So yeah, it comes down to going back to him and you got to like go within and kind of like understand and, and, and start with a essence of self inquiry. And from there, yeah, man, as above, so below it's what's reflected within you is reflected on others. And that's the gamut. That's the game. It's like, uh, it starts with understanding for sure. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, think about like how you would have reacted differently if you didn't, if you weren't like a conscious individual, you would have been like, Oh my, I'm hungry. And my food's like 20 minutes late. What's up with this lady? This restaurant sucks. One star and Yelp. Right. But it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's, it's because you understand your, your own struggle and your own suffering that you can allow yourself to understand her own struggle. You don't fully obviously understand your life situation, but you can get it that, you mm-hmm. know, it's not the, it's not a big deal. You know, shit happens. Yeah. It's whatever. Yeah, you're right. I think understanding is the the sort of first step, right? Because the other thing too is like you might remember a situation in your life where you were in her position, you know, like I, you exactly. know, you worked at a retail place and there's a big lineup and people are waiting and you know, it's not you you realize like, well, in that situation, I wasn't creating the delay. It's just sometimes there's lineup, sometimes people have to wait. So it's like I would appreciate it if the customers didn't ream me out when it happened mm-hmm. to me. So I'm not going to go and ream this lady out, especially considering she's just the hostess. She's not cooking the food. She's not, you know, she's just taking the orders. Like, yeah. So I, you're right. I think it has to do with understanding and, and reflecting on your own self and thinking like, okay, well, have I ever been in a situation like this and trying to like um, relate to what's happening through your own experiences? Um, mm-hmm. I find that helps, right? Because again, like you said, somebody's having a bad day, you can be compassionate to them if you uh, remember that you have bad days too. And, mm-hmm. you know, you've been there yourself. And it's like, yeah, you know, like cut her some slack, right? Like, we've mm-hmm. all been there. So but yeah, if you think like, I'm above everyone else, and my desires are what matters and what I want and blah, blah, blah. It's like, that, that's when you get the one star Yelp review in that situation. Because <laughs> it's like, it's all about me. And I was told to show up at this time. And they were late. And oh, my God, how dare they make me wait? Because I'm so special. It's like, yeah, man. Fucking, you know, like, that's the and that's the ego again, right? I'm so mm. special. How dare they make me wait? How dare they, they speak to me this way or whatever that that whole like indignation, like righteous indignation. That's, mm-hmm. that's a, a, a very a potent product of the ego, I think. Yeah, pride. Pride is ugly. Yeah, I mean, well, it is. There's, I mean, it, it isn't certain. There's like, it's good to be proud of yourself and your accomplishments, but not too much. Like, there's like a, there's a yeah. limit to pride. It's like, all right. Yeah. You know, you're, you're not that important. We're all important, but we're all important equally, you know? Mm. <laughs> we're all equally unimportant together. <laughs> yeah. We're all equally yeah. unimportant. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 
if we're all important, then we're none of us are really important. Exactly. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> uh, yeah, it's interesting, right? Um, I, I was going to mention to you too, uh, there's a guy I think you'd, uh, you'd probably find interesting. Uh, you should, you should have him on your podcast. Who's uh, that? He's, his name is uh, Donald, Donald King, and he's, uh, he, he's an avatar and he talks a lot about. Um, yeah. You have him yours, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. you guys would have a good combo. I'd be interested to hear hear you guys but yeah he talks about the ego as a parasite right he he in his understanding it's like an actual part of the brain and it's like a, a parasite that tries to take over and you know hijack the host and stuff and, and it's an interesting take on that i mean <clears throat> again i don't know if there's a physical part of the brain that's actually responsible for the ego or you know i think he and i kind of define the ego differently but it, he's got a, a very interesting take on everything hmm. i believe that just, I mean, like, it is a parasite in some sense, right? I mean, it, it takes over, like it's, it's not you, but it tricks you into thinking that you're it and that it is you and you identify with it and it becomes like a part of you, but it's just a construct, right? Yeah, it's just a construct, exactly. It's not like a separate entity. Because <clears throat> no matter what, you have to act out of ego. But it's like, don't let, don't become the servant to the ego the ego serves the greater mm-hmm. self that's the essence that you, that i think you have to keep in mind because no matter yeah. what i'm i'm acting out of ego doing this but mm-hmm. i don't approach it with like some kind of self indignation like i'm i'm some kind of like important look at me like they, we all have to act out of ego no matter what but it's like mm-hmm. it's just another tool in our arsenal and it can be a parasite yeah i think it, it can, can hijack be. everything it can hijack everything for sure with people. I mean, most people I think are on that. We're living in the ego, the lower chakras. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like you can escape the lower energies, the lower vibrations, but they're still present. Like the ego is always going to be present for as long as we're a human being. It's just that we don't let it get the best of us and don't act out of ego. We just, we act, we use the ego to act out of love. Love mm-hmm. transcends the ego. Yes, agree. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It yeah, seems man. like there's like a it's like an onion, right? And like <clears throat> excuse me, the um, the outer layer is like the ego. And that's like just um fabrications, right? It's like a story yeah. that you tell yourself. And then there's like probably a core of authentic self that <clears throat> is again like um has certain traits. Like Gary, you have certain things that are authentically you, certain qualities, certain values certain traits that are actually you and then there's stuff that you build on top of that to protect the authentic self and that's kind of the ego in my mind like it's a defense mechanism in some ways right you don't Mm -hmm. want to be exposed you don't want to give your authentic self out there to the world because you might get hurt people might make fun of you people might ridicule you so you build up this kind of like layer of protection that's your ego and then you start to identify with that and start to think that it's actually really you when in fact it's just this layer that you've kind of built up to protect yourself in different ways or to preserve the authentic self, right. To defend it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's hard to be vulnerable and it's hard to be your, your true authentic self because yeah, I mean, as kids, that's all we know. And, and I think that's when the ego starts to get built up is because yep. you go to school and you try to be your authentic self and some little fucking shit makes fun of you and bullies you for it. You're not going to do that anymore. You're going to be more guarded, right. You're mm-hmm. going to try to, keep that part of yourself that that was picked on um protected right and i think that's probably how it starts with the ego but Mm -hmm. 
I don't know. It's just what I've been spitballing lately thinking about it. I think so too, man. It's a deconstruction process to deconstruct your ego and uh, the conditionings of the past. It, it takes time for sure. And it definitely is. It's built into us from a young age. I mean, can you imagine what would it be like if we didn't have ego? We were like born, imagine being born in like a pack of wolves. Probably don't have that much ego. You probably have like, you know, wolf tendencies or whatever of the pack, but yeah. there's probably not much ego because like you're, you have to, I think a lot of animals don't have ego. A lot of animals are literally pack animals and they almost have this like collective intelligence. Yeah, hive mind. Yeah, right? Yep, I, don't know. I agree. It's, it's definitely uh it's definitely from our conditionings for sure and it's getting uh ever more so um, instituted in our mind from our technology with social media that just uh enamors the ego even more like if yeah. you already have that conditioning in your head go on instagram or TikTok, and it's it's hard to escape that man i don't know there's some people that i don't even think will be able to escape like these influencers and rich people, I think a lot of people, they look up to them in their lifestyle and they go, oh, I wish I was like that. But nah, they're in this like really dark hole of the ego, like very tight knit. Well, like it's very hard to escape. Like if you got like 2 million followers on Instagram and that's all you know, you've been famous since 16 because you got a big butt or something. <laughs> man, <laughs> good luck finding yourself. Because like the the only <clears throat> what you've been told your whole life is that you're beautiful or that you're funny or that you got a really nice car and you got a lot of money and that's not the true self that's just ego and people you got two million people telling you that every day that's tough man that's like some bad karma and I I mean I obviously I'm not gonna say I don't want that stuff like obviously we all want money and and clout maybe not all of us but a lot of us we want you know some kind of influence people to tell us we're important. But if you do that from like a young age, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be hard to see through that. I think it's like really, you put yourself in a really, really tight place of the mind. And what happens in 40, 50 years when you're not so beautiful anymore? Mm. <laughs> or, or, you know, your car's not as nice or whatever, you just fall off. Uh, that's the ego death right there. <laughs> but it's uh, what I'm trying to say is, uh, I don't know. It's like when you can see beyond egoistical thinking, the, the things that matter so much in the world don't matter so much to you, you know? Mm -hmm. Money and power, fame, clout, big butts. It's like, yeah, that's all cool. It's all part of the story and the play of life. But what's really important is seeing beyond that and using it to uh, further the betterment of humanity, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, again, like I'd like to think that if I if – I had lots of money that I would use it wisely and that I would be generous with it and that I would help others start their businesses. And I would help, you know, all these mm -hmm. people do all these things. Cause like I already have everything I need. I might buy a piece of land and start a commune, but other than that, I don't really, I don't crave anything materially. Like I have, you know, as long as I have a roof over my head, you know, it's comfortable space obviously. And um, you know, I can fit all my family in there. I'm pretty happy. So you know, Same. if I had millions and billions of dollars, like I, I would like to think that I would be doing good stuff with it. Not just, you know, charitable donations for tax receipts, like actual good deeds with it, because what else are you going to do with it? Right. Mm -hmm. How many cars can you own? I mean, like I have a 2003 Dodge. I just don't caravan. I've been driving that thing for a long time. I don't like, I, I like vehicles that get me from point A to point B. 
I don't need anything fancy. Like, what would you spend it on? You know, if you had millions and billions of dollars, like, you know, even if you got yourself really nice things, you still got a bunch of money left over. What are you going to do with it? I don't know. And most people just continually fill the bottomless pit of the ego. Just keep buying more and more and more. That's the society that we live in. You know, you're not happy until you get the, the, uh, the Lambo or you know, <laughs> insert whatever material possession it is here. There's just like this constant. That's the thing with the ego, too, is it never stops. And the more yeah. you feed it, the hungrier it gets. And it's that that is that's parasitic. Definitely, mm-hmm. For sure. It's like this bottomless pit of just more, 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 more. And that's the paradigm that we currently live in in the United States and the Western world. It's like, yeah. oh, it is a sickness, man. It's just like you, you just need, you need more. You need to be hotter. You need to have more money. Yeah, more mm, followers, but, more yeah. whatever. But nah, man, it's, and it's not like disregard all that. No, it's use that influence and that money for others. Yes. And there are people on that wavelength. I can't think of any particularly right now. But I know I've seen philanthropic um, pursuits from people that have it. I'm like, oh, yeah, they're doing the right thing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not the popular uh, paradigm. <laughs> no, it's not. And like the thing that gets me, and, and I'm going to go on a bit of a tangent, but I think it's related. There are people out there who are like, um, I don't know if you would call them self-help teachers or spiritual teachers, or they're, 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 they're selling something. And like, so one example of a person that I, uh, I know a lot of people who like this guy, and I personally think he's a bit of a grifter, um, is like Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you've heard of this guy. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people love him. And again, like I've heard him, I've seen video clips of him. What he's saying is, is great. I mean, I'm not disagreeing with anything necessarily that he's saying, but when you like, buy his book and it's like, Oh, refer to the CD for the guided meditation. Oh, now you got to buy the CD. (laughs) You want to go see Joe Dispenza. He's charging you like five grand for, to go and hang out with him. And it's like, to me, that's a sign of somebody who's doing it for the wrong reasons. I understand making money off of, of this, obviously, because if you want to do it for a living, you have to make income somehow, but like, don't you think a guy like Joe Dispenza could make enough money off of just like YouTube ad views and clicks? Like, does he need to be charging you for the book, the meal plan, the CD with the guided meditation? And then also, if you want to go see him, he's going to you know, fleece you there as well. It's like, it's free, man. All the greatest teachings that I've ever come across are free. They don't belong to anybody. So anytime somebody tries to monetize it and make like a really lucrative business out of it to me, that's, you know, again, that's a sign of ego. It's not, he's not doing it for the greater good and just charging just enough money to keep himself afloat. You know mm. what I mean? He's mm. like, He's making a, he's making good bank, right? Like, like Tony Robbins, another example, like you want to go see that guy talk. You want to go to one of his seminars or whatever. You better be rich because <laughs> uh, I can't afford that shit. Mm-hmm. So it's like, wait, if you don't have money, you can't get help. Is that how it works? Like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm. I agree, man. And like you said, it's free. You don't need any of that. Yeah. I mean, it, it should be like, it should be like freely offered. And if you want to donate or if you want to support me and greatly appreciate it, namaste, thank you. God bless, whatever. But to me, it's like, you know, I'll charge, I'll charge just the, just the bare minimum that I need to, in order to basically break even or make a little bit of money to support myself. But I would never be fleecing people and, and like buy this, buy that and all these gimmicky products and stuff. And it's like, dude, it's not that complicated. You don't need 
like a guided meditation CD-ROM. You don't, you know, you don't need all that stuff. Just give us the goods, man. Like Mm -hmm. stop trying to nickel and dime us on every little piece. Right. Mm -hmm. How they would probably justify that as well. This, the money that you pay for the program and the CD and the mail plan allows me to be able to continue my work. But then it's like, well, where's, where do you draw the line? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Where's your house? Let's see your house. Let's see how many cars you own. Let's see what you're, you know, let's be transparent with us. Right. And it's like, if you're not living in a modest home, if you've got a mansion somewhere and four cars and all this stuff, it's like, you don't need that shit. You're you're not practicing what you preach, right? Like Mm -hmm. you're a hypocrite in a way, but again, that's judgment. And uh, I don't know what Joe Dispenza, maybe he's got, uh, maybe he's only charging the bare minimum. Like I'm saying, maybe that is the bare minimum for him is, you know, to stay afloat and to kind of, you know, maybe he's not fleecing people, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just feels gimmicky when those guys like, you know, they're selling all these products and buy my supplements and and it's like, just tell me what I need to put in my body. Don't try to sell me yours. Like, you know, like it makes it sound, makes it look kind of hokey when you do it that way. I think. Yeah. Yeah. It turns me off. I've never paid for any kind of self-help or spiritual help, anything like that online. Like that's never appealed to me. It actually, it, it, this, it, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, I don't, I can't think of it. Like it, uh, I it disregard it. It turns yeah. me off yeah. when I see that. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm all set with that. You know, like you said, it, does <laughs> yeah. seem, it does seem gimmicky because what do I need it? And that's the thing though, too. Uh, it's not like they're forcing people to pay. People are paying for this. So, I mean, we can't really criticize the guys that are doing it because it's like, well, if, if people are willing to pay, they wouldn't have a business in the first place. So it's very obviously true. they're meeting some kind of need in people's lives. So shout out Joe Dispenza. Keep doing your thing, man, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It feels like they're preying on people to me. It feels like they're preying on people who are uh, vulnerable and who have good money, obviously, or they can, they're, or worse yet, maybe they don't, they're not rich, but they're so desperate for help that they're willing to take a chance and pay five grand to go spend a, you know, an afternoon with this guy. Mm. And to me, that's, again, hopefully it helps those people. Hopefully they get something out of it, but yeah, it just, it just seems to be a conflict of interest for somebody who's like a spiritual teacher to be, um, selling products and books and uh, guided meditations. And it's, it's not just that they're selling the products. It's like you buy the book and you're like, okay, I got the book like that. So I got everything I need. I start reading the book, but it's like, oh no, wait, on top of the book, in the book, it references this other thing that you have to buy. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> like, that's, you know, am I the only one who thinks that's a bit of a ripoff? Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Right. If it'd be one thing, if it's like, oh yeah, by the way, I sell, you know, guided meditations. It's like, oh, okay, cool. But no, yeah. it's like you need this in order to get the most out of the book. And you need this guided meditation. Like, <laughs> That's funny. Why don't I just sit here and meditate? <laughs> How about that? Why do I, mm, you know what I mean? Exactly. That's all you need, man. You don't need any of the books, the CDs, the retreats. All you need is some silence to yourself and yeah. to go within. That's it, man. You really don't need any of that. You don't need any podcast. You don't need any self-help person. You don't need Tony Robbins. All you need is silence. Maybe 10, 15 minutes a day to start off. It's really simple. It's really simple, man. Like we try to look for the savior and other people and other things. We look for somebody to tell us that it's going to be okay and you're good, but you can only find that essence within yourself. Yeah. Truthfully. Absolutely. But yeah. And I mean, I see the proof of that all the time. It's like, you know, people who have insecurities, you tell somebody like, wow, you're so beautiful. It doesn't matter what you say. They don't feel beautiful. They don't believe that they're beautiful. So it doesn't matter if a thousand people are saying, oh my God, you're so beautiful. That person feels ugly on the inside. And so all that external validation is useless or powerless to change that person's feeling of themselves. They have to feel, they have to find the beauty within themselves. And then when they feel beautiful, it doesn't matter if everyone says you're ugly. 
because you know you're beautiful and you feel the truth of that within yourself. So yeah, it's it's interesting that people are always seeking that external validation or the external solution to their problems when, as you and I know, the solution is always within you. It's always, but at least it starts within you. Mm-hmm. There, might, there might be some external actions that you have to take once you find the solution, but the solution, you're going to find it within yourself, not in Joe Dispenza's latest book or guided meditation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's profoundly simple. It's, so, it's almost so simple that people don't believe it is. And they go looking for like these sexy, complex answers out there. And it's like, like you said, it's no, you don't need all that. I mean, it might help, but it's not necessary. Yeah, man. Hidden in plain sight. Yeah. It's the irony of it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's like a an old uh, indigenous myth where it's like the creator god is making uh, humans, and he's like, ah, oh, but there's there's this they they have too much power. I have to hide their power. Where should I hide it? And you know the the, the whales like hide it at the bottom of the ocean, and the creator god's like, no, eventually they're going to figure out how to go underwater. Hide it in the sky, and now they're going to eventually they're going to be able to fly. They're going to figure it out. And then like I think it's like grandmother mole who's like the wisest of the animals. She said, hide it where they'll never look. Hide it inside them right? <laughs> Hidden in plain sight. And it's like, fuck, that's it right there, baby. It's in you. Yeah. The last place you're going to look because you've been taught to look out there for everything. It's right here, right inside mm-hmm. of you, man. And uh, yeah, it's crazy. The best kept secret. Mm-hmm. That's the game. <laughs> that's the game of life. Yeah, man. It's kind of funny. Crazy, crazy stuff. The other thing that you mentioned too, that um, reminded me of something uh, like the, what's his name? Seneca. He's a a Stoic philosopher. And one of the things that he taught was that there's like natural appetites and unnatural appetites. Uh, And the way that you know, the difference is like a natural appetite or a natural desire, let's say has an end to it. So like, say you're hungry, right? Mm. You eat enough. Now you're full. You're not hungry anymore right? That appetite is gone. That's a natural appetite because you can eat enough that you'll get full, right? An unnatural appetite is one that has no end. So like what you were talking about earlier, the pursuit of money, you never get full from making money. You always can have more and you always want more. It's never enough. So that's an unnatural desire, right? So anytime you have a, a desire that has no actual end to it, that you can just constantly want more and more and more and more, and you never get full, so to speak, and you know, that's not, that's not a natural desire. It's not something that's organic to your body. It's not like hunger or thirst or, you know, if you're cold, you get a blanket on you and now you're warm. You're not cold anymore. That's gone, right? That tension is gone. Um, so I think it's important to distinguish between those things because yeah, fame, money, accolades, views, whatever. If you get a million followers on YouTube, you're going to always be gunning for more, right? I mean, it's never enough. Why, why not get more? It's, yeah. There's no end to it. Mm-hmm. Power is addictive. Yeah. And you can never have enough. It's not, again, like, it's not like food where it's like, I can't eat anymore. I literally am stuffed. It's like, no, nope, mm. always more. You can always have more power. Right. So you're always looking to consolidate it. Mm. Damn. Yeah, man. That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like and you're that, seeing though. it right. Obviously on, on the world stage right now, it's like, well, if, if he takes, you know, if Putin takes Ukraine, what's next? Is he going to stop there? Well, probably not. I mean, there's all these other little satellite countries around there and they're talking to NATO and you know what I mean? Like it's never Mm -hmm. enough. Where, where do you end? Where do you draw the line? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We've seen that throughout history. It's not even just today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just want more and more and more. That's what the mind wants. That's what the ego wants. The super ego just wants more. Yep. 
Yeah, it seems like a parasite. I like that that idea. It's, it's parasitic. Yeah. yeah, when it when it's in charge, for sure. I think so. Yeah, I, I think like you said, though, it can be brought into uh, into alignment with the whole because it is a part of you. It's not this separate thing. Um, so I think integration and wholeness is obviously the key. I don't think suppressing or killing the ego. We've talked about this. That's not really a viable strategy, in, in my opinion. Certainly doesn't seem to be in your opinion. But um, the best, the best is to bring it in alignment with yourself and to make it serve you instead of oppose you. Mm-hmm. But when it's when it's in charge, yeah, it definitely has parasitic behaviors. I think, and so I think thanks to shout out to Donald for that because I you know never looked at it that way, but it's true, man. Yeah, man. It seems like we go through all these trials and tribulations of our practice to be able to to be able to resonate at the frequency of um, of just living without motivation for some kind of gain. It seems like that's some kind of goal to be able to continually reside at that that karmaless state of just you're here and here to give back. I don't want anything. Like, I don't want anything, right? I'm obviously that is that's so unrealistic to say but Mm -hmm. it's a good ideal to be at the point where you're desirelessness you don't want anything from this life and that's that's buddhism man that's kind of what the 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 idea of theravada buddhism is is to to let go of all attachments and it's it's a great ideal to try to hold in your being even though you might not be able to be at that 100 percent of the time it's still good to keep that in the back of your head. You know, I try to keep that like, I don't want anything out of this. I don't want anything out of this person or this job or whatever it is. It's like to, to resonate and just be here now to just simply be here, just witness this, this life, like a, like a movie in a way. And to, um, to know it's all just for show and to simply the way we act in this movie is to just be there for others and to give back for others. It seems like that is the gist of it. And that's how you get out of the ego. And that's how you get out of the, the separate self, the sense of your separate self, and you merge into the one, is to simply be here. Because we, we have to act no matter what. There's no killing the ego. The ego always comes back. But how you act out of the ego is you act for others. And that's how you truly can escape the ego, it seems like to me. It's like you, you escape the ego by helping others' egos. And from there, <laughs> that's how you merge. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it seems to be the gist of it, at least. I mean, I know, like I said, it's a tough ideal to to hold, especially in today's crazy world that shows you that's probably not the way. But I think that's the way. And mm. that's how you reach that non dual state of immortality, bro. It's like you, you reside here in that deathless state by acting for others. And you just kind of get lost in the flow, you get lost in the uh, the flow of love, <laughs> the, the <laughs> yeah, plane yeah. of love. Yeah, the doer kind of goes away and there's just doing, right? Yeah, Things are exactly. happening and you're, you know, you're involved, but you're not, yeah. Yeah, it's, that's a, that's a tricky one, man. It's, it's in all the great writings too. Like, you know, obviously the Gita and, and the Tao Te Ching and they, they talk about it at length and it's really hard to wrap your head around like, you know, they call it desireless action or selfless action, right? Like mm-hmm. literally doing things, not from the center of the self, but from a place of selflessness where it's like, there are no expectations, it's just the doing, right? It's just mm-hmm. happening. And um, yeah, that's that's a tough a tough one to practice as well, right? Because there's there's always expectations attached to things. Like when you do something, you there's going to be an expected outcome, and it's it's detaching from those expectations and still doing the work without without predicting or without um, yeah without being attached to the results. And it's exactly, just, that's the game. 
such a dance, man. Such a dance. But so, <laughs> but so it goes. So we dance as the dance, man. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. Mm. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff, bro. I'm just going to keep on dancing. You? <laughs> yeah, well, the, we don't have a choice, right? <laughs> <laughs> we have to dance. <laughs> yeah, like you said, there's no such thing as not dancing. There's no yeah. such thing as doing nothing. So, mm -hmm. um, so you can make this a beautiful samba, like Ralph Smart says. Shout out Ralph Smart. I like Ralph Smart. You know Ralph Smart? I don't actually, no. You don't know Ralph Smart? No. Breathing in that good ass prana, baby. Ralph Smart? <laughs> No, I'm gonna have to look into him now. I look up Ralph Smart, man. He is like he's he's on a vibe. He's yeah, a but Sweet. um, yeah, you can either dance the dance, make it a beautiful dance of your life to the best of your ability. You know, mm. going with the flow, the song of life, the Bhagavad Gita, the song of God. You can yeah. dance with the song of God, or you can kind of go against it. But if you go against the flow, there's gonna be a lot of inertia. So either way, you have to go with that flow. Either way, we are dancing in some way. You can't do nothing, like we said before. Yeah. So for me, I'm going to dance. It's going to be a really good dance because this is the only dance I got in this body, you know? <laughs> yeah, that we know of anyway. The but dance yeah. of life. Yeah, dude. It's the only dance that's uh, ever happened, right? It's been happening this whole time here and yeah. now. So it's the only way to engage with it. <laughs> for sure, man. Well, I think we can probably wrap it up at that. I think so, man. Well, well put, sir. Good chatting with you. Good catching up finally after all these months. <laughs> hey man, you got any closing statements? No, nah, man, I think I just want to let it be as it is. I think you, yeah. you said it well. And uh, yeah, thanks for making time for me and uh, for, for being who you are, brother. <laughs> Same to you. Keep doing your thing. Keep dancing. Keep dancing, yeah. everybody. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, man. Have a great one. All right. Peace out. Cheers.